Henry David Thoreau, Robinson Jeffers, the National Geographic Society, suppose they're all socialists. You're, you're talking about socialism. No, I'm not. I'm talking about not covering every square inch of populated America with houses and strip malls until you can't even remember what happens when you stand in the meadow at dusk. What happens in the meadow at dusk? Nothing. Everything. Everything. Nothing. Everything. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> not this week, that's for damn sure. No, definitely not this. Although this not is... when discussing matters of the universe. <laughs> yeah, and infinity and infinity and uh, the big picture. And uh, for episode, I think four of uh, the Twee Thousands, uh, we have guest Gary Butterfield, podcaster extraordinaire. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> welcome to the show. I was going to open with a, I forgot all, I literally right before you started, I was like, uh, okay, do the bit, you have a bit, and then I completely forgot to do the bit, but I was going to do like a Mark Maron, like, what the huck is up, what the huckers? What the huckers? <laughs> what the huckers? Does anyone mind if I play some guitar for, just question mark? Yeah. I got some sound shapes I've been working on, I figure this is a good place to clear it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah tell us about all of your cats just real real dad rock <laughs> riffs <laughs> lock the gates you cannot leave uh, <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah uh so this is uh episode four of the Twee thousand series where we talk about the indie movies from the 2000s the twee ones the twee um, ones this is uh i heart huckabees that we'll be talking about today a weird one a weird one. Uh, the more I was watching it, I was like, I don't, this is sort of outside. It kind of feels like it should have been in 2010, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Before we get there, let's talk about what we watched this week. Jeremy? Oh, sure. I'll start <laughs> us off. Uh, I went to Williamsburg Cinema and saw the movie Dragon Ball Super Superhero with oh, right. Alex and Katie and Max Ogle and, and Lawson. <laughs> Uh, uh, Gary, have you seen uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero? You know, I'm not a I'm not a Dragon Ball guy. I was born at the exact wrong time. Uh, every single really? person of my every one of my friends, big Dragon Ball person. I missed a little <laughs> bit. I'm a, I'm an old man, so I just never got into Dragon Ball. Uh, I know that yeah. they charge. I know some of them are named after vegetables. Yeah, um, they do absolutely. beams. Yep. They charge up. They go Super Saiyan. Gravity. They, they go Super other. Saiyan two. There, a, they go Super <laughs> Saiyan three. There's an old fellow who loves panties. He loves panties. He loves he loves all parts. Yes, and and garments. Um, You're so, a cultural myo like meiosis type of Dragon Ball. I just pick it understander up from just yeah. People you pick me. up little bits here and there. So this is the newest newest film in the series. It uh, takes place several years after the most recent film, which was Dragon Ball Super Broly. And, that long ago. Um, that long ago, yes. And um, uh, well, it ta- I mean, that was like three years ago, but it t- it takes place several years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it tells the story of a paunchy little scientist who invents a new type of android to kill Goku. 
and um, <laughs> <laughs> a po- why is he paunchy? Well, he's just a he's a chubby little dude. Yeah. Are they uh, the type of, of androids that like, like <laughs> 17, 18 are? Uh, no, well, sort of, but he designs them to look like uh, um, like Japanese superheroes, so they wear sort of like Ultraman type outfits. Oh, awesome! Uh, and then he also makes like a gigantic new evil cell, but that'll come later. It's not really <laughs> that important. Uh, I guess like th- some dude like hires him as a freelancer to be like uh, uh, to be like, hey, I want you to kill Goku. Can you make? androids for me and he's like sure if i can make them look like superheroes and he's like okay sure oh that's why it's called superhero that's why it's called superhero yeah but also because gohan is kind of a superhero of too. course he looks like zach baggins he looks like zach baggins <laughs> and um so so the these androids are going to kill goku uh but goku is off planet at the moment training with broly so uh they they decide to kill the next in in line which is piccolo and uh piccolo he, you know, he gets Gohan involved. It's, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's, it's. They're trying to focus us more on side characters because they've spent way too long with Goku and Vegeta, and they're like, why not? Way too long. We'll do decades. Some, we'll do something with <laughs> Gohan and Piccolo this time. Uh, and unfortunately, what's happened is that they've gotten into their heads that the only way to focus on a character in this series is to give them some sort of a new transformation. Oh yeah. That's how you got to do it. That's how you got to do it. That's what it means when you focus on a character and develop them. Um, yeah. So in this case, what they <laughs> decided to do change the, every I, character I that at some change. point. <laughs> yeah. Like they need to have, they need to have a full series arc. And in this case, like the climax of any character, of course, is their hair changing. <laughs> they so, become blonde. So, well, no. So in this case, uh, Gohan gains a new transformation that they're calling. And I'm not kidding you. Beast mode. Oh. <laughs> he goes sicko mode. <laughs> he, goes, he gets nutty with it, and he gets his new transformation has gray hair oh, and no. red eyes. He looks like he's albino. It's the same thing that happened to Saul Goodman when he transformed. Into, oh my god! <laughs> so they didn't, yeah, that's why they name it after a Dorito flavor, but it was a similar yeah, transformation. Gohan gets us a job at the Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So now Gohan goes sicko mode and he gets gray hair and red eyes. And uh, Piccolo. Oh, Piccolo gets a transformation, too. Really? He first gets uh, some sort of like limitless power thing from the Eternal Dragon. And that makes him just lighter. <laughs> he becomes light skin Piccolo. But he's like a light green. <laughs> he's just like lighter green and they take away all his lines. So he just looks like really weird and like pale. Just like a bad drawing of Piccolo. Yeah, exactly. Like a bad drawing of Piccolo. Or really like anybody's drawing of Piccolo because you can't do all the lines yourself. You're just like, come on, I'm not sitting here doing sure, that yeah. forever. So that's Piccolo's first transformation. His second transformation, even better than this one, he gets bulkier okay his jaw gets like more square he looks kind of like handsome squidward a little bit <laughs> he gets like a big bulky like giga chad jaw his antennas <laughs> he's usually got antennas that hang downward they curl upward <laughs> <laughs> they're erect they kind of get erect and they curl upward and his skin gets tinted orange <laughs> What is that? And his mean? eyes kind of like the first time you see him, his eyes are kind of like off to the sides a little bit. So he kind of looks like he, it happens after he gets really severely damaged. So you kind of like he comes up and you're like, D- did they like d- does he have like brain damage? <laughs> like, is Bigelow okay? 
Because his shit is all like his, his antennas are like they look broken and his eyes look fucked like up. Like a wilted oh, vegetable. No. Like he, he's become like a but, he's like a carrot. Unfortunately, but so I guess I guess what they've de- they've decided is that this is another new transformation for Piccolo. And uh, when they ask him what are you going to call it, Piccolo, he says, "I don't know, Orange Piccolo." <laughs> <laughs> he just had a nap. He uh, uh, he's got weird energy. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> wow, he looks awful. He looks so fucking bad, right? I just googled Orange Piccolo. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> he just looks like the thing or yeah. something. He looks just dreadful. So is this movie any is this movie stupid? Though? I actually really <laughs> had a great time. The thing is, it's so stupid, but I had a wonderful time. I got I you know what it is is I like I absolutely nailed the uh, amount of weed. Like I I, oh, I brought yeah. my vape pen with me and I like just hit it exactly right and I like <laughs> I I rode the wave through the whole movie. I stayed exactly the right amount of high through the whole thing beautiful nice. thing had a wonderful time doing bits with lawson it was awesome <laughs> we made fun of the movie the whole time great time very funny in the first half too there's a lot of like actual comedy in it i really enjoyed really yeah like um, uh like bits yeah there's a new character called carmine he's fighting batman uh it's yeah. in a side <laughs> plot that they only go to for a second he, he, yeah he's like the personal assistant of like one of the bad guys and um He's just like this weird Italian guy, and um, he's like really into like production. <laughs> so, like, whenever they have like, uh, they'll do like a slideshow where they're like presenting like a dossier on Piccolo or New whatever. New orange Piccolo. And then in the in the bottom right corner, it will be like a Carmine production. <laughs> <laughs> and he has like stingers on all his videos and stuff. It's really funny. <laughs> that um, sounds good. Yeah, so I had a great time. It's a good movie. I'd recommend watching it. All right. Gary, what did you watch this week? Uh, I uh, I finally got around to watching the newest Candyman film. Ooh. Oh, I, I watched that. The Candyman. the uh, n- not produced by or not directed yes. by Jordan Peele, but produced by and directed by Nia. Yes. What is her name? <laughs> Dang remember. it! Uh, it's I'll remember. He uh, Jordan Peele uh, wrote wrote it as well with with somebody which I did not realize at the time. Oh. Um, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, I I hadn't seen the original one for a very very long time. Mm-hmm. Did you rewatch it in um, in preparation? No, I, or I should you... have. I just it was a weird <laughs> crime of opportunity. I was like ninety minute horror movie. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the weirdest part of it. So it feels like, and I need to watch. I, I didn't. Did you know that there are Candy Men between this most recent Candy Man and then Candy Man Prime? Oh yeah, yeah. I, There's like four. I had no idea. My, my first Candyman was Candyman Two, I believe. I, I really. I think it's the one that takes place in New Orleans. Yeah, and that's why when we watched Candyman for the show, I didn't realize that Candyman Two was the Candyman that it's I had been seen. Oh, yeah. And so when we watched like, Candyman, I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it feels like the, this movie feels like it's made." Uh, directly grappling with the first one in a way that makes it seem like the the intercals couldn't be. It, it's really oh. recontextualizing a lot of stuff from the first one, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then the, the weirdest just like absolute time travel surreal moment is for some reason uh, there's a library scene in there where the protagonist goes to do some Candyman studies and mm-hmm. he goes, the library <laughs> he goes to is the library in my like absolutely podunk shitty hometown of Decatur, really? Illinois, where I used to work. He goes to a desk that was next to where I used to work. 
Like they shot on location? Yes. Wow. I don't know why. <laughs> I just was watching the movie and I'm like, okay, you know, there's bees and like this Candyman guy, he seems interesting. I just, you know, I, I went into <laughs> absolute like Homer Simpson's mode, you know, mode like, oh, he doesn't like the racism. And then this guy's an artist and just repeating facts in my head to, to, to keep myself, you know, going. And then uh, looked yeah. up and it was where I worked uh, a lifetime ago. Bizarre. And it was the weirdest feeling. That's crazy. <laughs> it was super strange. Uh, pretty good movie. Some real weird attempts at, I, have, you, have either of you seen it? I've Not seen the, the new one. Though. I've seen the first one and the second one, and that's all. The uh, the newest one is elevated, like kind of socially conscious Jordan Peele horror, mm-hmm. right? But then uh, switches back and forth to some like very kind of Joss Whedon dialogue, like a bad thing happens Ooh. to a character, and he's like, "Must go faster, Uh-oh. must go faster," and I'm like, "Oh, oh no. no, oh gosh, <laughs> like, don't do that, not that, yeah, don't, no, who are you talking to, man? There's a Candyman about concentrate." Oh my god! Uh, so that happened. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say they they blow up a housing project and they're like, so that happened. <laughs> yeah, this <is> gentrification. <laughs> Whatever. It it's got a it's got a real. And now my hands a hook. There's a very I funny. Guess this is my life now. The uh, <laughs> best you're best you're wondering how I got here. There there's a a line in it. Uh, also, I feel like in terms of like I like I like Jordan Peele movies a lot. Uh, in terms of. Uh, opposition to the the viewpoints or the points he's trying to make there's there's mm-hmm. the a real straw man in it do you mind if i spoil something please uh, do please. um it's been a couple of years at this point yeah, yeah it's it's an older movie the uh he's an artist the main character is an artist and there's an art gallery person and he, he is a person of color and she's not and and she's like well really it's you people who gentrify things and he goes like what, what? <laughs> and she goes you know artists that. And it's such a weird take. Like it felt like <laughs> making up a guy. The most that I've art, seen yeah. in a movie. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Nobody yeah, has these that art opinion. gallery. These art gallery owners who think artists gentrify things. Yeah, yeah, no and, and as if like gallery owners don't. Yeah, yeah. they own the gallery. Yeah. It's land. And then, yeah. You know, later she talks to him and the, or goes and talks to him, and he's just like, "Hey, you should say Candyman five times." Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> She does it. She dies later. I can't like it's it's such a secret key to like getting revenge on anybody he wants. That's so funny. Yeah, he's got like a death note. You know, it'd be like a cool thing that I think black people would really think you're. You you know what would get you invited to the cookout? (laughs) (laughs) Saying Candyman. Saying Candyman five times in a mirror. And then just hang out in there for a while, just in case. See what happens. It'd be a very, if Candyman were real, and I'm glad that he's not, it would be a very funny way to get revenge on white people. Yeah. Is just make it make us co-opt it, like like sus and 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 you know all these things from like black Twitter and stuff that like yeah you know dork ass yeah, white people like myself no. grab you know <laughs> be very funny if one of those was a killing phrase that sent a a bee demon at us. Like, <laughs> Not the bees, <laughs> but yeah, I I I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele's movies, his his directorial movies. Mm-hmm. It's weird how pretty bad a lot of the other things he has ended up producing, like the Twilight Zone series. Um, that was another big one that he did not direct, but was involved with. That mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember now. Oh, wasn't he a part of that Antebellum thing? 
Oh, I don't. Yeah. Oh, the uh, um, the movie where it's like the the um, the, gr- the the village, but with slavery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he was involved in that. Some of the some of the stuff gets pretty bad. <laughs> Did he do something with Lovecraft Country? Maybe. I think he might have. Put, I don't know. He's yeah. I, I never saw the Twilight Zone, and I know that that has kind of a bad reputation. And uh, I, I think I'm with you, though. It, and this is definitely worse than his movie movies. <laughs> Worse than his mm-hmm. director. Like it's kind of interesting. It's fun, but it's it's not on the same level. He did yeah. have he did produce the Lovecraft Country. I knew it. Um which I thought was like not offensively bad, but no, just like kind just was, of disappointingly bad. It just like by the second or third episode, I was like, Well, I don't think I'll be continuing. I don't need no. to do this anymore. I wasn't like mad at it or anything. I just kind of was like, eh. Right. So but Candyman is not that bad. No, no, not too bad. I mean it's it's a B. It's like a mid. You know, you, you you watch it. It's to a B. Get, get, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, 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 a B movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, we you like ruin, jazz. Yeah, <laughs> people like jazz. Uh, the, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's and it's also uh, ninety minutes with credits, which never happens. I love uh, that. Yeah, it gets. <laughs> yeah, in, we uh, love like, that here. Uh, a tight ninety. Yeah. Big fan of that. That's great. Oh. That's great. Bryn, what did you watch this week? Okay, this week I wa- well, I was almost didn't watch anything because I was playing too much Elden Ring, mm. um, a game that I have yet to finish, um, but I'm right at the end. I'm mentioning this mostly because Gary's here uh, and he does an Elden Ring podcast, um, but I, I'm right at the end of that, and I'm, so I've been every night being like, should I watch a movie or this new House of Dragons thing, or should I... Did fin- you watch it? Did I didn't watch, watch it because I'm trying to finish Gary, it. Gary, did you watch it? House of Dragons? No. I, I, you got to watch uh, it, folks. It's a good show. Did you like it? I liked it a lot. I want to. I, I, uh, I hated the way Game of Thrones ended, too, just because like you know everyone yeah. did. But I, I am curious, and I miss having that to look forward to. Like I'm I had that out. shield. I was like ready. I was prepared. I was like, come on, don't get emotionally invested in no this. expectations. No expectations. Nice. Game of Thrones really, really let you down in a big way the moment like maybe like five minutes into watching it i was like i was like i'm there i'm here i love really? it i love gambo give it to me <laughs> i'm here for hot d i love it <laughs> well i'm excited to watch i have it downloaded i'll watch it soon um the thing i did watch though oh wait before i say what i watched i did watch the end of the rehearsal did you finish it yes okay. and did you beat did you beat Elden Ring? I haven't finished it. Come Damn on. It, no, I'm, I'm savoring it. I'm in uh, the, um, what is the Halig tree area what has now? It been? It's very hard. Two years? <laughs> no, it's, it came out February. Whatever. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> I'm savoring it. Um, but yeah, the end of the rehearsal. Yeah, I'm, uh, I beat the Malekith and I'm, I'm, we're almost done. You, 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 uh, you didn't beat Eldering, but you beat rehearsal. Yes, so we you finished the, the rehearsal. Of rehearsal. Did you watch the rehearsal, Gary? No. No, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I, I don't watch tons of tv and it's not for good reasons it's just because i play video games for work so i'm constantly right. feeling like i have homework to do and it ruins my <laughs> life i i don't do other See, things instead i just feel i just feel guilty for for not doing any, any other things <laughs> no matter what i'm doing or not doing i just feel like garbage it's a, yeah. it's a brain sickness <laughs> That's not an, yeah, yeah you, you should just be happy about playing all the games for a living you'd think yeah <laughs> um but i didn't watch the rehearsal mm. and uh we talked about it I guess enough. I thought the last episode was incredible. That was incredible. I thought it was really, it was a very brutal watch for me. Uh-huh. Because um, of the baby. Because of the, the baby who's being traumatized. Struggling <laughs> with, uh, struggling with like what he wants out of fatherhood and his life. And yeah. Oh man. It's a, yeah, it's a brutal watch, but it's very good. It's, it's, it's a weird movie. Cause, uh, 
rehearsal is a show that I was nervous to watch because I didn't really like Nathan for you. I mean, I liked it conceptually, but a lot of Nathan for you was hard for me because I don't like things that are. Too, yeah, you're not a cringe comedy. Person. I, a cringe comedy makes me cringe, and I don't want to feel bad for people. Yeah. yeah, I feel I get too sad for them. <laughs> um, but the rehearsal was so good because it's all kind of on him. After a little bit, yeah. like the first one is a little tough with with core because you feel bad for him, right? But then everyone else is like kind of a bad person, and then he feels bad, and then I thought it's hard to talk about at this point without really spoiling some of the most important stuff. But it's crazy that he took basically like an elevated jackass concept and turned it into like one of the most poignant like dramas I've seen mm-hmm. uh, in a long time. So I loved that. Yeah, I thought it was really fantastic. Again, really difficult watch uh, if you have a child whose emotions you're in charge of. But um, <laughs> you know, you, you can't you can't be held accountable for the, their emotions. All the same, <laughs> really, really good. I, really, really good. I really want to give it a shot. I I feel very similar, Bryn, uh, to you with with Nathan Fielder stuff, where uh, yeah, I start feeling once real people are involved, I I start feeling desperately unsafe. You know, mm. I can yes. watch scripted cringe stuff all day long like one of my favorite shows ever is review which is also a conceptual you know one guy being an awkward person and putting other people in situations (laughs) but it's all make-believe so i'm i'm fine and then once i'm like oh man this person doesn't want to be part of your bit uh i just start feeling like i'm gotta gotta go leave the house like i gotta run out into the street you know Uh, (laughs) yeah no i'm just i just don't want to feel that and so i usually i haven't even seen all of nathan for you so i would say this one especially if you're on the fence about it, I'd say give it a chance because the first episode is about a very awkward person who he helps and it actually does work out. And the, the thing that is awkward is Nathan feeling guilty about something. And then the mo- longer the show goes on, it's how real it is becomes very unclear. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun space for sure. And, uh, and him, most of the drama comes from him not knowing how deep he wants to go with it and how you know also grappling with like we've talked about last time when he's when he's like having an actor yell at him for his behavior yeah <laughs> and he's like you're not the joke i'm not the joke there's no joke really yeah, <laughs> it's right. like we're <laughs> um it's fantastic like it's, the joke is the scenario i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's really good and i recommend it that's yeah. awesome uh the movie i did watch uh was a movie that i came across of all places on Instagram. Hmm. Um, it's an independent film called Strawberry Mansion. Okay. And just, it, just real uh, quick, it would be amazing if you said it was an independent film and then you said it was like Kaylee 2000 makeup tutorial, like something <laughs> on like, like a short film that you watched on Instagram. That was like a 15 second moment. <laughs> yes. I, I found this TikToker film. named, yeah. I found this independent film by a guy named DeLarians yeah. who talks. <laughs> Markiplier is uh, my favorite builds independent a mansion filmmaker. out of strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Building a house out of strawberries. Yeah. Pav, when you build a house out of strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> that feel when you're growing strawberry. Uh, no, this is a movie directed by Albert Burney and Kentucker Audley. Okay. Who... Um, Kentucker? Kentucker. Is it spelled how I think it's spelled? Yep. Like Kentucky, but it's Tucker? Yeah. You think it's a you think it's like a stage name? No, I think it's his real name. Somebody named him Kentucker. <laughs> uh it's a okay, so this movie is 
Uh, how do I explain it? It basically oh, looks... Oh, wait. What the Kentuck is up? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, Kentuck, and what subscribe. What the Kentuckers? No. <laughs> what the Kentuckettes? Uh, this movie is a movie about, in the future, dreams are taxed, and this guy is a tax man okay. who goes to the home of an old woman named um, Bella... I saw the I saw the trailer for this. It looks really it weird, looks right? It looks really crazy. It's yeah. It's very crazy. Uh-huh. So, I uh so I saw the trailer this on Instagram. He's a tax man. He goes to audit her dreams, which she has not switched over to the new digital format, but she has 2000 tapes that he has to sift through. Okay. Um and sort of charge her for all of the things she's using in her dreams. Um and I really don't want to tell the audience much more than that. Um, so I don't know if I'll get into it any more than that, but this movie had sort of a similar look as, um, I don't know, don't hug me. I'm scared, but with real people, it has a lot of puppets. It has a lot of, uh, stop motion, a lot of weird CGI, all kinds of crazy practical effects and digital effects. It has a very like kids movie from the eighties look like a made for TV movie. Uh, of kids shows from the 80s but it's with these adults about something sort of in sort of more darker than that um Mm -hmm. and i i took a gamble on it uh i bought it on vhs just because the vhs looked really sick um this company called lunch meat is publishing their the vhs's of it um but i just you know downloaded it as well and uh and watched it and I was really worried it was going to be, my friend described his worry of it as uh, it being like RC Cola, Michelle Gondry. Mm. You know what I mean? Just sort of like wacky for no reason. Right. Um, and I don't think it is that. I think it's, a lo- it reminded me a lot of uh, Brigsby Bear. Did you see Brigsby Bear? No. Gary? Uh, that was the movie by Kyle Mooney, uh, the, the Saturday Night Live guy. Yeah, Saturday Morning was- All-Star Hits guy as well. No people. Nobody talks uh, yeah, about that. Uh, yeah, and what was that? What was his uh, hello neighbor or something? Yeah. Was his like comedy thing? Um, he made an incredible movie called Brigsby Bear that also seemed like it was going to be a little too cutesy, um, but isn't, and is it very good? Similar, similar themes too about making something creative in a very corporatized and like. Uh, a world that is more interested in monetary value rather than creativity. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of a fairy tale about someone who has spent their whole life trying to, you know, bring their dreams out into reality through art and has just been like beaten down at every corner. Um, and this tax man kind of coming upon all of it and like finding her isolated at the end of her life. Um, and realizing what this whole system is about. Uh, and then it's all told, like, the reason I'm mad about, th- I was mad at Inception <laughs> for being a movie about dreams that has nothing interesting looking in it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is the opposite of that, where it's just everything is insane. Everything is told through an insane dream logic. And it has a lot of stuff that, like, pays off in a stupid child, childish dream logic way, where it's like, 
when the first like 20 minutes i was like is this just gonna be like weird for the sake of weird kind of like whatever they wanted to because there's like he goes to her house and she's like you can't enter unless you lick the ice cream cone and he's like what Mm. and uh he licks the ice cream cone and then like that even that comes back later Mm. and is important for things like the way it sort of pays off every stupid idea it has with like a so it's kind of like um like everything everywhere all at once in that way. Uh-huh. Where yeah, you're kind where of like, a little worried that it's going to be too stupid, but then everything <laughs> kind of like comes around. Yeah. And I thought it was really, really cute and very, very worth watching. Um, it's not mind blowing. It's not like politically something. It's not, it, it's nice. It's basically against it's, it's a, it's a, like I say, it's a fairy tale about like how advertising and corporate interests, like just makes all that making stuff. That's cool. F- impossible mm-hmm. um and it's a movie obsessed with texture as a matter of fact it looks great because they shot it all digitally and then they did what's called a film out where they transferred it all to 16 millimeter and then back <laughs> to digital so it looks like it's shot on 16 millimeter but it has this very odd sort of grainy texture to it mm-hmm. even though there's like cgi in it right um it's neat it's really it's really it's bizarre the c- kind of thing like in my 20s band days we used to do that with uh records like we'd record uh yeah. you know record something digitally for ease and then put it all through a reel-to-reel and then back in the computer you know to noise yeah, it, so it kind of has that yeah. that noisy yeah. texture there um which couldn't have been cheap but uh <laughs> <laughs> it, you know this is like their second feature i think together mm-hmm. uh their first one is really low budget um about a gorilla who gets an office job uh and it's just a guy in a gorilla costume <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <what it was. laughs> ape out. um yeah. what'd you say I said ape out yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like ape out yeah. <laughs> um but it was uh, really good it was really cute and um i would say seek it out it's uh it, it kind of has uh like an eternal sunshine sort of vibe yeah i'm definitely gonna check it out yeah when those movies are good they're like the best it's my favorite genre of movie like the kind of yes. uh, heady, surreal, but playful sci-fi thing. And then when they're not, they're the worst, you know? So I, like, I understand <laughs> that feeling of like, I don't know what I've gotten into here uh, because yes. the, the big swings in that subgenre, I think. It, it's a huge swing. And yeah, I would say like there are downsides in that like the characters are so broad because it's more of a metaphor movie mm-hmm. like the villain is sort of just like he's introduced and then he's like immediately like i'm evil and then they're just like oh no the evil guy because it's kind of a kids movie but it's so it sort of makes sense it doesn't bother me well, in dream mm-hmm. stuff too like you know that makes sense if they're yeah, messing exactly. around with dreams like dreams for me when it, like i understand that un- that irritation with inception like i think dreams oftentimes are kind of bland you know like there's so many like it was my house but wasn't my house and then that's the end of it like there's no no additional information it was my house and wasn't my house and that's the surrealness (laughs) Uh, but the one of the things that is is true is that there's a lot of dissonance in dreams where you know something is bad but you're not acting differently so somebody saying like i'm the bad guy (laughs) i'm the villain you don't do anything or change anything with that information you just know it your dream self knows it and then just continues to you know, do horrible things in a place that was the school you went to, but wasn't, but it was kind of yeah, weird, exactly. but it was, you know, and and they kind of, they kind of capture that pretty well. Like there's a part where the sort of uh, antagonist in his dreams, she, the, the old lady is like trying to come into his dream. And like the guy's like, 
like he's like don't worry about it i'll get it don't we don't want to let her in and the, he's just like sort of standing there being like no i want to let her in and he's like don't worry about it <laughs> and he's just like not doing anything there's a lot of that they capture the vibe of having a nightmare really well hmm. um it's pretty cool i really enjoyed it neat nice all right and that brings us to an early 2000s twee indie comedy called i heart huckabees directed by david o russell our feature presentation, our feature presentation. <laughs> starring uh, jason schwartzman jude law mark Wahlberg, mark Wahlberg, lily dustin hoffman lily tomlin god damn yeah. yeah naomi watts naomi watts it's a uh, stacked cast the french lady is somebody too isabel hubert she's yeah. in uh, one of my favorite movies the piano teacher god damn what a cast mm-hmm. um very quickly, the plot of this movie, <laughs> which try. is pretty hard to, to <laughs> totally do, but um, so Jason Schwartzman plays an environmentalist and a poet, and he works for some sort of a, a broad national organization that tries to preserve green space in American cities, and uh, he's working on some sort of a project to halt the expansion of a Huckabee's store. Huckabee's is a stand-in for sort of like a Target. Walmart, Walmart or Target. Yeah. Like it's a cute. It seems like it's too cute to be Walmart. Um, I got huge Target vibes. Yeah, definitely seems like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be more like Target. Uh, so Jude Law is some sort of a a high up at at uh, Huckabee's, trying to become a higher up at Huckabee's. They are part of the coalition together. He's sort of like a corporate um, stooge kind of uh, pretending that he cares about the open spaces thing. He's like heading the cooperation yeah, with he's, them. Yeah, he's, he's like the representative for Huckabee's in their cooperation. Uh, so that's that's their thing. Then um, Mark Wahlberg is a firefighter who is uh, obsessed with uh, climate change and and what his role in it and what everybody's role in it is. His wife leaves him and he's very sad. Then... Um, what else we got? Uh, Schwartzman. <laughs> so Schwartzman, Schwartzman keeps seeing this African guy yeah. around town, and he's insistent that this means something. And uh, so he goes and he seeks out existential detectives, Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin. The best part of the movie, probably. Yeah. Um, and they uh, they they launch an investigation into his life and into his coincidence. Um, they eventually pair him up with Mark Wahlberg as sort of a uh, a kind of like secondary pal to go through the process like a buddy system uh, with him it's a buddy system type of thing they uh, uh they also have some sort of like an existentialist thing where dustin hoffman keeps zipping him into a bag where he can like see the truth of the world and whatever <laughs> or his, his his like his internal like what he's really afraid of and what yeah. he really wants so there's like sort like of like it. there's part of it is like an actual physical investigation part of it is like a psychological investigation uh later on there's like a dark nihilist woman who shows up (laughs) who's their their old student their old student who's now become sort of like a a a luke and vader sort of a situation um (laughs) or a sorry a a vader and obi-wan sort of a situation i guess would be more accurate and um she's kind of just like trying to throw a wrench into the whole thing and turn everybody into nihilists jude law's (laughs) girlfriend uh naomi watts uh kind of gets caught in the crossfire of this whole damn thing and then she just like goes further with it than everybody else she yeah. starts wearing a bonnet and becoming ugly on purpose <laughs> and um then in the end everything is connected and uh well, she falls in love with mark she Wahlberg. falls in love with mark Wahlberg. Jude Law realizes he's a piece of shit a piece of shit and and jason schwartzman burns his ski 
and, and, and by proxy his house by proxy his house <laughs> mark Wahlberg saving naomi watts uh and then uh they fall in love and then isabel hubert and jason uh schwartzman fuck to make mark Wahlberg jealous to right. prove that you can't stay in a, a oh yeah there's a that state of eternal bliss and- for uh, ever you're going to be drawn back into human drama it starts getting really about like very heady towards the end yeah and like more conceptual rather than just the story and then you sort of they sort of realize like you can't do anything <laughs> you can just sort of fight and like be peaceful and live your life yes um and that's sort of the end of the it, movie yes um so so gary you'd seen this movie before right I had. How, tell us your history with it a little bit. Uh, I went and saw this in the theater uh, based on mm. trailers. Like I wasn't like a huge uh, Earl Russell fan or anything like that. I just, I, I went and saw this string of early 2000s twee movies with my ex-wife. Like we, we like this kind of stuff. Uh, sure. And you know, so we, we went and saw like, if there's a Juno, we're there. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> we're going to see like, the paper drawn credits. Yeah, oh, Iggy goes down. <laughs> don't mind if I do. That was the, the kind of move. And I, I remember really. Igby goes down. Gary goes to the yeah. movies. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Igby only goes up, up, up. I, I, the, um, so I, I remember, you know, really loving it. And uh, but I hadn't watched it again uh, since then. So I, I watched mm-hmm. it at the time and I just kind of forgot about it and didn't think about it until I saw it on the list of stuff uh, that you folk were covering. And like, I, I still really like this movie. It's messy as yeah. shit. It's, it's yes. like the <laughs> messiest movie, but there's something to, uh, I'm, I think it's funny. Like the parts of it that are funny, there are things in this that are sneakily super funny. It like, was so much funnier than I remember. Uh, man, mm-hmm. I, I am such a mark for, firemen being shitty at their jobs like when uh-huh. is depressed and he just like the firemen come up and they just sprays him in the face or he's yes, just like very it's funny so good uh, God, that slays me and then like the ad with naomi naomi watts in the bonnet like crawling mm-hmm. around like a cow just like you know to the voiceover <laughs> of the product dragging have. the shirts yeah. like they're her like elongated <laughs> floppy arms yeah, like, like she's a, like a, a sea lion or something like yeah. that, uh, you know, so, so surprisingly funny. And then I'm also, uh, just a real mark for the, the where this ends up like philosophically, mm-hmm. which is that like, we're all connected and it's beautiful, but also it's not special because it's also, we're all here in the, mur- the, the mud, you know, that's yeah. like where I land yes. on a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I, I think a lot about that, uh, David Foster Wallace thing of like, you know, what you choose to think about is what, you know, that's the thing you have the freedom for, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is, uh, that's the value of liberal arts and, and studying. It is like, you know how to think, but you get to choose what to think. And this helps you choose that. And I'm just like, yeah, that's correct. That's how it works. I'm, I'm, yeah. yep, I agree with that. So <laughs> I watched this when I was in high school once and I really liked it. I thought it was funny. And, but I also had this like nagging thing about it, which was that it felt like it was making fun of thinking about things Mm -hmm. the way i took it was like these people are sort of like overanalyzing and not doing anything or or, it was it seemed like it was making fun of me personally as someone who was like (laughs) reading philosophy in high school and college uh and i was like well it's kind of this I, i didn't know where it was coming from and watching it this time 
I was very shocked how much this mapped onto general leftists in 2016 on. Because mm-hmm. it seems like, to me, I don't know how much of this is on purpose. I've been thinking about it all day. But like, Jason Schwartzman is this person who recognizes there's a problem in his in the world, which is like, urban sprawl is bad and killing the earth. Mm-hmm. And then... He wants to do something about it, so he does this sort of like limp wristed liberal, like write poetry and, you know, do protests or whatever. Yeah, and I was gonna say even like his own inability to get out of his own way by like making it all about his poetry for some reason. Yeah. Of course, like, yeah. The reason why the coalition is falling apart has nothing to do with the fact that Brad is there to like to to infiltrate and destroy the coalition to, right. f- with Huckabee's interest in mind, it has everything to do with him just being like, "No, my poetry goes in the mailer." And, <laughs> and egotistical, I am yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, a ladder climber, and yeah. and it's like they are co-opting this thing. Yeah, but it's also he's already co-opted it for himself. It's not about anything. So it's about him sort of trying to figure out what he really wants and what he really does, and then when it he realizes it doesn't work and it's completely co-opted the sort of like post left gnostic poster comes in and is like nothing matters actually and yeah. like <laughs> yeah. uh you know like these sort of dimwits on on twitter who are sort of like we're actually too smart for everybody to do anything yeah, yeah they'll black pilled like you know yeah. doomers and mm-hmm. then the 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 message of the movie is like dialectics exists and it's like it is both it's a synthesis of that and like yes nothing matters but you have to live a life yeah you have to do what you can and if you try to remove yourself from it you will only end up alone and alienated from everybody and so what we've been talking about on this show is like this series of movies this decade is sort of marked by people who are alienated and living in the end of history and realizing that some like there's nothing else going on and they're just depressed and alienated from everyone around them and sort of looking for connection in any way they can. And this is the first movie we've watched where it was like, it's not about just connection. Mm -hmm. It's about making peace with the fact that you are not in control and you as an individual can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. the death of yourself is important, but you also have to understand that you have to take care of yourself and the people around you. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about like the, the, the way that the past movies that we've watched have, they've had this broad idea of alienation and trying to find connection through that feeling of alienation and why that's important and whatever. And the thing that's always been missing, and we talked about it last week with garden state is why alienation what is the reason for the alienation? And this yeah. is the first one that we've watched and possibly the only one in the series. I mean, again, I don't really remember Elizabeth town too well, <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> I've but never seen it. it possibly is the only one in the series that so clearly focuses the lens and yeah. says like, this is what you feel alienated about. This is what the end of history really was and what that means in the new millennium. Right? Because it's like the, 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 these are all gen Xers making movies for millennials. Right. And Gen Xers making movies for Gen Xers is the late 90s. And that's all the like, you know, I got an office job, but for what? Now it's 
very clearly what they're saying is like it wasn't the end of history in the end of the 90s it was the end of good history now (laughs) it's now we're kind of beginning the phase of reckoning with what we've done to the world you know the 2000s is when that picture really starts to come into focus for america where we first start talking about climate change in a more serious way right and this is the first movie to be like this is why you feel alienated because you have this sinking nagging feeling that the world is getting worse. It's only going to get worse for you. And the, you know, the, the coincidence around the African man is it, it, it's so clearly him being pestered by his role as a Western man, right? Mm-hmm. It's his, it's his, his place as like, like I, I'm trying to save this patch of swampland from Huckabee's, but I, I can't help but feel like this is just a Western. The entire weight like, of the global South is yeah, exactly on like 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 just the mere existence of like the two <laughs> things I do in the morning, like flushing <laughs> flushing the toilet in the morning is already like an environmental catastrophe, the likes of which <laughs> nobody should be doing. <laughs> it's re- it's real similar to like what the Good Place fainted towards before it got kind of bad. You know, this Mm -hmm. idea of like the moral calculus that you have to make is so complicated that, uh, you know, you can't just throw your hands up and be like nothing. Like, I I don't need to worry about this. It is overwhelming, though, you know, and it's overwhelming for a reason, as you mentioned. But something like I think about a lot and I love fiction that deals with this is you still have to wake up the next day. Like Mm -hmm. something that would be the end of a story. uh, That's not how life works. You know, right. so so regardless of what happens, he has to deal with uh, this family. I love the scene where he goes and he meets uh, the the adopted family. Uh, this might be my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, it's it's really good. You know, as they're kind of like cartoon, they're a little straw manny. You know, for just yeah. like oh god, like they're a little cartoony at this point. But like he doesn't come away from it, uh, ju- like rectifying that that bit that he's having that guilt Mm -hmm. about like what he's doing it doesn't get there until at the end when he figures out like his personal weird petty obsession with that guy and his worst personal weird petty obsession with jude law are the same like they're just people and they're all in this big soup you know they're all Mm -hmm. trying to do it um and there is some there is some sort of like you know uh, elizabeth isabel hooper's character uh sort of draws this thing of like you seeing seeing the tall African guy, and this sort of goes back to what we were saying about uh, all of these movies being explicitly about white people. Mm-hmm. Um, we were saying Gary in the mm-hmm. in the past four three episodes, like all of these movies have a moment where it's like, just so you know, all these people are white, and their whiteness is important. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Even like, gar- like it's a central part of the story is whiteness as a like as, as something opposed to non-whiteness right in garden state in ghost world in uh royal tenenbaums there's like moments where it's like and it's not just that there aren't any black people in the movie for no reason it's also there's one and they're and 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 we other them yeah yeah (laughs) um so but it's this one was very pointed yes and that it's like it he sees a tall african man and he's like at once feeling kinship with the the impoverishedness and 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 alienation of like this person who's orphaned by war yeah because he's not happy with his family he doesn't feel like he has a family either Mm. but it's like then he's like feeling guilty for even feeling that way because his 
situation isn't as bad. Right. <laughs> um, and that's why at the beginning of the episode when I was saying like this movie should have been made in 2010 is because like so much of this feels as though it's a commentary on these movies and it's like in the middle of these movies. It's like happening alongside all of these movies. So it's kind of an interesting, I guess it's what, what we probably don't realize because we were pretty young at the time and we weren't in the film industry and whatever like <laughs> it, it, it is that like maybe this was just like popular sentiment that that david russell is kind of like poking fun at but like th- there's so many things in here that i picked out as like the tropes that we were recognizing in the previous films being almost like turned on their head in a funny way like so so we have like the 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 you know whiteness and othering of non-white people he's making an explicit plot point and in fact like this is the key to the movie in a lot of ways <laughs> uh and and actually has something interesting to say with it right the mm-hmm. the sad guy money shot which we have in all the other movies is actually explicitly taken like oh, she takes literally takes a picture of him being sad <laughs> <laughs> crying and like, then and then jason schwartzman like piecing his face onto his face yeah and then it being like i'm that i'm that too yes uh and and then um uh uh the the you know the obviously the isolation seeking connection making that literally what the story is and and like talking about it so explicitly and so overtly um and then the 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 twee kind of acoustic indie soundtrack is literally made for the movie with lyrics that like i i I mean like (laughs) at times they just like kind of like almost sound like they're they're making fun of that kind of music yeah i thought so it's a Um, weird thing when you read about how it was done where like john bryan the soundtrack guy sat down with david o russell and just composed to the the scenes mm -hmm. you know like literally just it it's very immediate like what happened here as opposed to, you know, so what you're saying about it feeling like it's, it's directly in response is true, yeah. you know, in, in a way because of how it was made. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that they got that result that ends up feeling like commentary when, because it's, it's literal commentary as opposed to what we <laughs> typically think of as commentary, you know, critically. Yes. Is there any non like score? No, it's all him. It's all John Bryan. Yeah. There's um, there's a Beethoven song and a Shania Twain song, yeah. but there's no cutesy but there's like moments but where his it stuff changes sounds like that. It changes to sound like that like there's an acoustic guitar part and I was like, mm-hmm. What song is this? And it's like and then it just kinda morphs back into the the soundtrack. Yeah. Um the soundtrack is incredible. Oh, yeah. Very good score soundtrack. Super amazing. Yeah. Good soundtrack, good score. I so what what are things that we don't like in a Herodakabee's I think personally, and this is a real rarity for me in talking about these movies. I think it's it needed. Too short. I think it needed fifteen more minutes. Yeah. I really think it needed a little bit more time. I think there was like a lot around the coalition and the charter that like I would have liked for them to have drilled a little more into and made a little bit more clear. All that stuff's in the like, source book and the uh, extended universe novels. Yeah, that's <laughs> so you have, you have to, yeah. That's you, you, have to, you have to read all of the the things, and then they introduce uh, Darth Schwartzman and like all of this stuff. It, it gets really deep. <laughs> the Huckabee's DLC like is going to come out next year, finally. But yeah, I mean, I would have liked a little bit more clarity on what's going on with the coalition, how that works, what exactly the issue is around, like. I, I think that could use a little more clarity. I really could have used genuinely like 10 more minutes with Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin. I would have liked a little bit more of them before we get into everything with, um, 
with the French woman. I don't remember her name. Isabel Hopper. Yeah. Um, I, I, Gary, you said the the ending. You said it was kind of messy. Yeah. What did you mean by that? I, I think it wraps up real quick. Uh, I think yeah. it's another way of saying saying what you're saying, Jeremy. Where like at the end, when you realize where everything needs to be, mm. uh character so early on when the movie's kind of breathing i think there there are some like genuine movie moments of like beauty in this right so like one of the scenes i really love i love uh jude law being confronted about his brother and -hmm. it's like oh you tell the same stories over and over too and they play the compilation of him telling that rehearsed shania twain tuna fish story that's yeah and that's just very human (laughs) You know, and him being like, no, I am a good person. I'm buying moral offsets. Look, I keep all the little, you know, geckos he sends me. Like, yeah, this, is yeah. a, this is a good person moral <laughs> offset I'm buying by this doing the this. the type of shit good people do. Yeah. yeah. You know, and th- I'm not th- bad. Those, are, those moments really breathe. And then once everything becomes very chaotic, basically once they've taken the picture and the fire started, characters like the coalition characters, like the, the scene where they're in the elevator, where Brad and uh, Jason Schwartzman are in the elevator. And they just keep getting off on floors for characters who represent plot elements to yell at them. Yeah. Just yeah. To, like wrap up. Stuff. Yeah. Just wrap it up. <laughs> like here's the coalition. They're like, fuck you. And then here's Shania Twain. She's like, I never did that. And then here's, yeah. you know, it just feels so quick at a certain point. And yeah. you know, there's a, there's a bit too, like at the very end, Jason Schwartzman is talking to Lily Tomlin and, and Dustin Hoffman and says like, you know, if you guys don't work together, you should, you know, this is, this is a setup that you guys did, right? Like, if not, this should be. And like, I was like, oh, you know, that, that's true. And for it just not to have occurred to Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin, where they're just kind of like, maybe that is okay. Like if they just, they backseat (laughs) themselves, like things change focus to get to the end of the movie really fast, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a structural problem. It's not a thematic problem or anything like that, but you lose out on some of that. Like, you know, I I think this movie has a lot of heart uh, and you, you miss out on a lot of that. You know, taking these characters seriously, you kind of stop taking them seriously yeah. at a certain point. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting uh, how ideologically sound it is. Like, yeah. it seems like someone really, like, whoever wrote this movie, actually, I know who wrote this movie. It's Aubrey Plaza's husband, oh. uh, Jeff Baina. I don't know how you say it. B- Jeff Bezos. B A E N A. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. That's me. Huckabee's it was me. It was me. It was Mr. Bezos all along. Uh, he actually has written and directed a lot of movies um, mm-hmm. and weirdly doesn't get hardly any attention. Uh, he wrote that movie that came out a couple years ago uh, with Allison Brie called Horse Girl. Do you mm. remember that? Where We, we talked about movie. that, I think, a little bit. No, I'm yeah. being stupid. It's <laughs> it's um it's like gosh, it's like kind of a weird like p- horror comedy thing. He he did the Little Hours where Audrey Aubrey Plaza is a nun. All these like little movies I do remember seeing trailers for that look really interesting, but mm-hmm. I've never actually watched him. Um, but he does all these weird movies, so he's had like an interesting career after this. This was the first movie that he wrote that got made. Um. But I don't, I, I don't know. He, I think maybe he might be a little bit of an overlooked director. Yeah. Um, but he seems like he has a real foundation in this stuff because it's not easy to make metaphors like this about like, you know, Hegelian dialectics. But I think it's pretty successful when people ask like, "What are dialectics?" and like, kind of being a pretty good example. Yeah. Of like how things synthesize and like extremely accessible. Yeah. You know, because I 
I, you know, I'm not like you. I didn't read. I hated. <laughs> I I always hated philosophy classes. I had to do a couple in college, and I despised them all. Mm. Um, I that stuff like the word dialectics already is like. Do we really need to use this word, or can we just say like conversation? That's not what dialectics or is. argument or whatever. No, nope. like I, I know it's not, but it it's sh- like. There's got to be a better word than fucking dialectics. Anyway, like the... the <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. But yeah, like the... Because people people really on Twitter who like pretend like they know what it means, like basically just mean combining two things together. Yeah. And that's not what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much more complicated than that, but it's, it is it is hard to really even hold in your head because they're very complex ideas describing immensely complex i uh reality you know like the idea of populations and and history and uh all of these things so it is difficult but how nicely packaged this is is just very impressive i think kind of not to not to put words in your mouth jeremy but to pick up maybe part of what you're saying is that like uh it does have that form factor where it is about this dialectics but it does you can enjoy it without that. That is an optional thing uh, in the Mm. movie Mm. because it is using, uh, you will recognize the parts of the philosophical ideas of this that apply to life and your own life without having a name for them, you know? Uh, And that's what makes it a good introduction for this. Like you watch the movie, you can intuitively understand what the characters are doing. And then you can find out like, Hey, this thing, you know, this idea that you have this understanding of it, that's, that's what this is called. Here's the name for that. You know, the yeah. movie demonstrated to you, you saw yourself in it, you understood these uh, these positions and everything, it does a really good job of that. Here's the name for it, you know? It's funny, the them experiencing pure being when they do the ball thing mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of in Garden State when they yell into the cavern. Yeah. Like, that's what they're doing. They're just being like, we're alive right now. Right. But, like, the whole point of this movie is, like, that's not enough. Yeah. Like, you're gonna forget about it. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to go back to your regular yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. You have to breathe at some point. You can't scream forever. You can't keep the right. ball in your face. It comes off. After you, know? you stop kissing Natalie Portman in the airport, you're gonna go have to go <laughs> eat and shit and, yeah. like, live your life. And some of it's gonna suck. And you have to, like, have other things besides that. It's a, it's also sli- a, a funnier and sl- slightly less direct metaphor for yelling into a void. Uh, yeah. which <laughs> a much funnier. They're just like, I don't know. The characters feel like they're yelling into the void. So what do they do? Maybe How about some kind of yell void? into a void? Whether we shoot, it has to have a void. Uh, <laughs> it's Jersey. Yeah. They got a void. Yeah. Right? Do we get do we get location scouts out there looking for a void, void scout <laughs> coming to Steam? Uh, <laughs> it's like Firewatch, but you have to look for a void for Zach Graff. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that this movie is really smart in in being able to to tie all that together and still be funny and still be followable. I feel like uh, Naomi Watts doesn't get to do enough. Mm -mm. Um, I would have loved to see what's really going on, why she went from being really against it, and then they just like cut to her being like, "Oh, completely convinced by the totally. the, the yeah, detective, absolutely." And now she's like fully bonneted and out and in in uh, 
because in overalls, it, it undercuts the message a little bit because initially, you know, we have Jason Schwartzman and uh, uh, what's his head, Tommy, Tommy Corn, and we're taking them very seriously. <laughs> we're very invested in their thing, and the movie spirals out a little bit when we get to Jude Law, and it's you know he's not a villain. Like he also has all these depths and is going through the same shit. That's very important. You know, like this character mm. who is set up as an antagonist or at least a side character is being treated with the same treatment as everyone else. Uh, but then Naomi Watts yeah. also gets it, but without getting her, her gecko scene, you know, she doesn't get right. this backstory or depth or anything like that. And I think yeah. that's kind of what we were talking about when we were talking about there, they need to be longer. They need to be more time spent. You know, uh, it, it mm-hmm. you think it's just going to be a character study on two characters ends up being three, three and a half, but one, somebody gets short shrift. Yeah. It just Absolutely. yeah, it feels like they either needed to give it more time for everybody, or they needed to like cut a couple of people out of it. Yeah, I, I think they could have done without Naomi Watts's character doing that, even yeah. though it is so funny. It is really <laughs> funny. I almost honestly, I almost think that like they could have done without Mark Wahlberg too. I don't know that he necessarily is doing anything that Jason Schwartzman isn't already. I I think he's a good catalyst in terms of like writing. I think he's a good catalyst to bring Isabel Hooper into the movie. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the movie should have, because because I don't know what the existential detectives are supposed to actually represent. Right. Uh, they're kind of just like being the teachers through the movie. Like, uh, well, they're like the starry-eyed spiritualist, right? They're like the the like everything is everything, and like you know we are our eternal selves and whatever. Like, right. I, so he kind of like bringing. Hubbard's character into the movie I think is kind of necessary and then sort of them being friends is like the metaphor of them the synthesis of those ideas mm-hmm. um, so it for what it is and the time it is it's so crazy yeah. that it works also this is the only one I'm sure the only one that specifically mentions socialism mm-hmm. that is like having this like political talk that is over the metaphor and it's just like socialism is a bad idea and then jason schwartzman out of nowhere is just like no socialism is good yeah. <laughs> it's like wait what <laughs> he's like all these people are just like knows a bunch about it yeah and it's 2004 i don't know it's it yeah. seems really ahead of its time and this movie didn't make a lot of money according no, to no like, it made <laughs> it made exactly its money back yeah 20 million versus 20.1 million yeah unreal <laughs> i didn't uh this is not to drag us down into the excrement of human suffering from the sublimeness of criticizing and thinking about these philosophical ideas but i didn't uh, somehow and this is just me living under a rock i did not realize that uh, david or russell was kind of a shitbird Oh, yeah. Uh, during yeah. This, yeah. So I, you know, I was kind of preparing for this and I was looking on YouTube, and it's like David O. Russell calls Lily Tomlin a cunt. And on YouTube, yeah. I was like, uh oh. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, clicked on that, and I was like, oh my goodness. This, this is, this guy is a messy bee. Uh, you know, <laughs> sure. This is 100%. And there's worse he, stuff he, than he, that, too, which I, you know, that's, the, yeah. okay. So, so I, I mean, it's not funny necessarily, but it's, <laughs> it is kind of funny that like his his controversy section on Wikipedia, like it's the first thing is like on the set of I Heart Huckabees, he yelled at Lily Tomlin and called her a cunt. And then the second thing is also he kind of raped his it, trans uh, <laughs> uh, uh, niece. He, head, head <laughs> but like that's the second George thing. The third. Yeah. Headbutts George Clooney. <laughs> calls Lily Tomlin a cunt. Like what pipeline is this? Yeah. <laughs> How has he been radicalized that has these three points on the line? 
yeah, you know? yeah. real. It's wild because like the the George Clooney one, they were like mad and then make up and then Lily Tomlin Millie Tommy is like, no, we made another movie after that. It's we're fine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, she it, seems totally cool. She was yeah, cool. Yeah. And then the last one, you're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, why is that not the first one? That should be the first one for sure. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a good illustration of like we we let uh, mad, you know, absent-minded professors and mad genius types get away with any kind of moral crapulence, you know, because yeah. like, oh, they're just an artist, you know. And then always something like this comes out. You know, like yeah. we, we, you can't just have people abusing people on set because something like this is going to happen. We don't know what it is, yeah. but they did something <laughs> awful. They're like, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah. Uh, but it's funny because David O. Russell seems to be like the least important part of this movie to me mm-hmm. because like he went on to do almost nothing but bad movies. Uh, I, I mean, I, got, I, I didn't really soft s- spot for the fighter. I, I don't, don't like oh, silver yeah? lining playbook, but I kind of thought the fighter was all right. I, I'm. I never watched that. It's it's not bad. Uh, I, I, yeah, I movies about people getting over drug addiction. You know, hit me because of my weird upbringing and stuff. So it's like, mm. uh, you know, and really just really good performances and such. I, I haven't yeah. seen it since it came out, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't hate American Hustle. It was um, okay. I love. I mean, this is before Huckabee's, but I love Three Kings. Oh yeah. The head I don't scene. know. I didn't really think really like that, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's okay, but he's not like a genius. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah, I feel yeah. like the script of this movie is much more impressive than the direction, which mm-hmm. I liked, and I thought did a great job with all like the floating pieces and yes, like. Although sometimes they suck, I like the floating pieces mostly, but sometimes when they fall, I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> that- <laughs> like when when he's in the bag and there's a lot of fun like collage looking stuff, like it's fine. But I feel like Spike Jones could have done a way better job. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, now you're making me sad that this wasn't made by Spike Jones. Can you imagine? <laughs> Could you fucking he, imagine? It would have looked incredible. It has something to do. So I, I he has David O. Russell had. And I'm not trying to. You by no means you have to hand it to him. Uh, this, this horrible <laughs> sex assault monster. But you, uh, he had something to do with the impetus of this movie because, like, if you you read it, he talks about having a dream uh, about mm. being followed by existential detectives. So I think mm. he worked either worked with the the screenwriter or like concept by I don't know. Interesting. So just, I think just just in the the interest of like so there's something about the just the bones of this that aren't just the direction and the visuals that are him. That's funny. <laughs> that, that doesn't the excuse part anything. Of it, you know, but it, the part I, of it yeah. that doesn't fit into the metaphor very well is the part that he, <laughs> he came up with in a dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. For me. You know, don't gotta hand it to him, but great movie. You don't I, gotta hand it to I, him. I, this is so far as the my well, I don't know if it's better it's than, Royal Ten Bombs, than Royal Ten Bombs, but it's, but it's really it's good. good. I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say I really recommend it. Yeah, movie. I recommend this I, for sure. I haven't been listening to the series, but I have to imagine it beats Garden State Garden State for both of you. Yes, I, yes definitely. Wait, when that came State. out, I was like, this is horseshit. I'm too I'm too old for this, and I was right <laughs> in the pocket. I was like, I love the shins too, but fuck off, man. <laughs> Fuck off, Zach Braff, you yeah. scrubs ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked it when I was a, a young teenager, uh, but yeah, it didn't age well at uh, all. Yeah. Uh, well, not at all. It's it's more, we, the conclusion we came to was that it's a little more maligned than it really deserves, but it's not very good yeah. either. Yeah, and, and similar to this, it's much funnier than you remember it being. I, I can mm-hmm. see that for sure. I haven't seen it since it, since it came out. I should, yeah. I should give it another chance. Yeah. I got to hand it to him. 
You got to <laughs> hand, hand it, hand it to Scrubs. <laughs> Mr. Scrubs. Mr. Scrubs. All right. Well, Gary, thank you so much for yeah. being here. Yeah, this was it's really been a fun. great time. This is awesome. Thank you for oh, having me. This was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, come back sometime. I, w- I would love to. Yeah, just you know, let me know when you got stuff on the schedule. If, you, if you'll have me, I'd love to come back. This was really fun. Awesome. Um, uh, plug your stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. If you uh, if you like me, uh, you can hear my work on the DuckFeed.tv <laughs> podcast network. We primarily talk about video games, uh, as Brent alluded to earlier. Uh, Bonfireside Chat is a Patreon show. We have a bunch of it available to the public. It talks about the Soulsborne series of video games. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Watch Out for Fireballs is a general games uh, club podcast. And then we also have a, uh, a horror movie podcast that is a Patreon thing called Unfilmable. Uh, that is uh, slightly more structury than this. But <laughs> it's funny. The idea of it is that it's supposed to be about horror movies that are un- like Lovecraftian, right? It was the right? original like, idea. And then we yeah. just decided, yeah, like, you know, there's no governing movie. body. Let's just talk about stuff we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, right. But it probably has that was the, the most in common with this. That, that was the reason I, w- I was like, oh, I should invite Gary because I was listening to your Cabin in the Woods episode. Oh, phenomenal. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. You talk about movies too. We we just did a, we just recorded today because um, we stretched the definition of horror movie if we want to talk about something, and we talked about American sure. movie, uh, yeah, nineteen ninety nine because you can now watch. Uh, are you familiar with that documentary? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they did Coven. Coven <laughs> is now available to watch on YouTube. If you hate yourself and want to hate Mark Borshark <laughs> and have a half hour to kill. Uh, so you can watch. Yeah, it's the only movie. thirty minutes, right? Yeah, and it's it's not a good thirty minutes. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we talked about that today. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, go check out the Duckfeed people. They're all very nice. The Patreon is worth subscribing to. Uh, Big fan of your work. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Really, yeah, really appreciate it. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to Generation Loss. Uh, happy you're here. Thanks for listening to the episode. I'm going to keep this short and say, go to patreon.com slash generation loss. Give us $5. You get a bonus episode and discord benefits and the movie right before the mo- episode comes out. We screen it on the discord. We screen it on the discord. Hell yeah. Other than that, follow us on Twitter at gen loss pod and follow us individually from there. Until next time. That's, that's movies. movies. <laughs>